Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning into the deal with Danny Brown. I'm so fired up. This week's guest, Joey Miller, developer, extraordinary guy, good buddy. Uh, the platform Culver City was his baby. He developed that. A really curator of retail experiences, sort of like the up and coming Caruso. Uh, big shoes to fill there, Joey. Anyway, call, also known known aka as the Prince of Beverlywood. Grew up and raised in Beverlywood, and uh, we're getting into a lot of interesting topics here. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Take care. So I grew up, um, as you mentioned, I think I'm fourth generation from Los Angeles. I, maybe you'll use, you'll edit this out, but from uh, for a Jew in LA, that's like we came over on the Mayflower, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm I'm fourth the generation. Jewish Mayflower. Exactly. That's I'm, called the Mayflower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fourth generation from LA. My uh, great grandfather came here from Connecticut. And my grandfather went to Santa Monica High School, where he went my, met my grandmother. Wow. He started a uh, car dealership, which became a, a very big business, in fact. And yeah. he never trusted the car business. So what he did was he took all the cash that he made in that business and put it into real estate. Got it. And he was never... What, what years are we talking about in terms of like, when's the, the first dealership? 70s and 80s. Okay. So, and, so he was already here and... Oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. He started in the late 60s selling hot rods. And what he... He did was he he got the first Datsun franchise oh, in wow. Los Angeles. Which My was, dad had an orange Datsun. Yeah. That was the first car I ever remember. It was a hot selling Hatchback. car. Hot. And he, that he, was hot. He made great uh, profit selling that and took it all and put it into real estate. So as got I was it. growing up, even though my dad and my uncle weren't really in the business, um, it was always sort of around in, in my uh in my consciousness. This is your grandfather or great-grandfather? My grandfather. And your grandfather's name is what? Lou Miller. Miller, Lou, okay. Lou is still around in a, a God in addition, bless Lou. Yeah, in addition to being a, my grandfather, a great mentor and, and uh, friend. So I grew up with real estate sort of clamoring in the background, went to high school here, went to college in DC because I thought I wanted to go into politics. Oh, you went to George Washington or yeah, Georgetown? George Washington. Yes, yes. So, Jessica spent a semester at George yeah. Washington. I almost went to George Washington, by it's the great way. School. They offered me a baseball scholarship. You should have taken them up. I should have. And I was like, where's the field? Where's the field? Like, uh, it's, not, it's not on campus. You actually got to take a bus and you walk. And, I'm like, and you walk. And I'm like, you walk? But doesn't, isn't it cold? Yeah. Like, how do you hit fastballs in the snow? I'm like, I, I get jammed in the snow. I'm going to quit. Like, oh, it's, uh, you know, I like hitting, you know, when it's 85 in Fullerton, then I can hit 90. Fastballs, but if it's 20 below and snowing and I get jammed, no I, I'm, chance. Yeah, I've, I'm, but I'm DC, weak. DC's a, a, a wonderful town, and, and if you want to go into politics, it's the only place to go, really. Yeah, so great school, great town. It was great, and I took the, the, the notion that instead of deciding what I was going to do, I was going to take a job in all kinds of different industries. So I said, let me try out politics, which is what I yeah. came for. So I, I could worked, see that. You yeah. could be a smooth I worked ambassador. At the Senate. Yeah, it, it turns out that. The first thing I figured out in politics was that um, no one really makes any decisions except for the senators and the Congress people and the president and all yeah. these folks. Everyone else is sort of 
um, n- uh, not really a player. Um, and that wasn't very appealing to me. Yeah, so I, mean, I decided I, not to I do can that. Relate. I studied international relations at oh, USC nice. with the thought of, I'm going to go into politics and, you know, be an ambassador and do this. And started looking into it junior and senior year and looking into internships and going on interviews, even met with CIA and FBI and that kind of stuff. But I started realizing like, oh, God, it's just it's sort of criminal. Yet you're not making criminal dollars. Like (laughs) if you're going to be criminal and you're going to put your life on the line, you might as well go work for El Chapo or somebody and go make millions. So that was my decision. Like, you know what? I'm not going to go into politics, at least not now that I'm older. I I still think. I'd like to be mayor one day. I but think that, I told you. Yeah, but that's the thing. You're going to have to run run the campaign if I'm going to pull it off. But my, I don't know if my background is probably not clean enough. But we could probably, you could probably wash it out for me. But the thing is that if you want to make a difference, it it occurred to me in politics that you should go out and be a success in business in your community, sure. and then come back to it later in life. So and I put that that's aside. That's the way to go. So I said, then maybe I'll be a lawyer. So I interned at a law firm for a time and decided that wasn't for me either. Uh, investment banking, gave it a shot, didn't work out uh, for me. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And then my senior year of college, I took an internship at a place called Marcus and Millichap, which of is course, a commercial big brokerage. Shop, big brokerage shop. And it was really, now that I look back on it, a very uh, lowbrow type of operation where it was just scraping the barrel, cold calling, you and know. Hardcore brokerage. Totally. And but I loved it. I loved every every Which office were you in? Which branch? Uh, Washington DC, oh, right? In the middle east. of it. Okay. Yeah, back east. This was all back east. And I left college with the with a degree in history, which is relatively useless in the workforce. Um and but the they're all, all useless of, yeah, in the workforce, all, by the way. <laughs> but with all of the experience to determine that real estate was something that I might be interested in. Came back to Los Angeles, and we were hanging out actually down the street from here at a place called the Avalon Hotel, oh, which yes. was new at the time. Oh, that was one it of was, the first good yeah, it was an old age renovations. Home. Yeah, mid-century modern. It was great. I was killing and it. It's still at the cool. Avalon. I used to go still to drinks cool there place. all the time. Right. So we were drinking the pool. It was great. So we were drinking there, and I would look around, and I was like twenty or twenty-one, and I'd say, "God, who did this?" And it turns out it was a guy called Brad Corzin and right. Jeff Smith Corporate. that did it. Yeah. And I didn't have a job. I was interning at Fox uh, for the CFO's office. Ah, that's how you yeah. got to the core group? Yeah, so I, I didn't want to be in So you in just film. cold called or found someone that yeah, knew somebody I, that knew somebody? I basically called them every day for months <laughs> until great. they gave me a job. And Persistence. They said, yeah, they said, we don't really have any positions, um, any real positions, but you can become what was then called a secretary. Right. And it's a position that I understand doesn't exist anymore. You're Looking an assistant. Looking now backwards or, through a lens. Yeah. I mean, that, there really couldn't be a more ideal place in oh. terms of aesthetic and design for you. When yeah. I think about your style and design, he's 100%. got great style. I mean, look how I he dresses. That. But, but no, seriously, that at that time, they were... Was, did Kelly do the project yeah, with them? Yeah. yeah so it, Kelly Wurzler and Brad, they, they really took real estate and redevelopment of hotels into a whole different direction. 100%. Created a whole new style. And, you know, people have been trying to mimic it since and take it in different directions and improve on it, et cetera. But wow, what a perfect place for you to cut your teeth and go, okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense now. It was great. And, 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 but I started off, you have to remember, literally not doing any, you know, I was, like I said, a secretary. Making coffee and coffee and sorting. But the funny thing is I talked to my friends who were with me back then. There were 10 of us all under 30. It was 2005, um, four and five, excuse me. 
which was an enormously heady time in the commercial real estate yeah, market yeah. in LA. It was booming at that point. Crazy. So we would see everything. Let's go buy this. Let's go buy that. And and there was no limitations on what we could do. And I was the most junior person, uh, ostensibly there to make copies and sort things. But I had no interest in doing that from the beginning. Yeah. They always, talking to the guys who I was with then, they always used to joke. Joey was the youngest guy who thought he was the CEO of the whole of company. So um, I was there for a year and a half and I made wonderful friends and learned pretty much everything I ever learned about the business there. It was my only job I ever had. Right. Were they working on the Eastern Columbia yeah, project? We, That's we, one of my favorite we were projects building, ever. Uh, we were building in the Arts District. We were building Eastern Columbia. The I mean, Viceroy had just been completed. Just that facade is just stunning. And it what was, they did with that building. I, I, I wanted to buy there both uh, to live originally back in 04 before it was done, 03, 04. And then after, I was like, oh, I should just buy and rent it out. Yeah. Never did. No, they're beautiful. But those are gorgeous. Beautiful apartments. And so I learned downtown. I learned the arts district. I learned the lingo of development. And I didn't really think it was a crazy move back then. Now being older. I mean, with, in terms of like developing and buying and risking for you, you, know, you thought that was normal. Yeah. The young even, guy, you were in your 20s then? Yeah, but it wasn't even that. I, we, I left. I was there for a year and a half and I left. And because I started you wanted my own company. to yeah. develop. Yeah, I wanted to be a developer. Yeah. And I didn't think twice. Like it wasn't even a, a thought that that was a crazy thing to do. Yeah. And, and that, that was a crazy thing. Yeah, to do, it was by crazy. The way. <laughs> Just in case anyone, <laughs> you know, the, I, I would say the takeaway for the younger me, if I look back was that you got to make moves early because now I'm 36 years old. I have two kids. They're so young still. Yeah, oh, man, thank you. I don't feel like it all the time, but, but it feels like, like I would never do that today. That risk is now not something that I could yeah, take. You don't and have the risk tolerance. Yeah, and frankly, even <laughs> you know some, too of the, much. some of the things that we did early in, in our careers, I would never it do. It makes a lot of sense. I, I like that. I was with um, a, a, the best real estate developer, I'll go unnamed, in, in the country, I think. And we were trying to show him something in Napa, um, which I thought was an amazing, amazing deal. And we flew up there on his private plane, and it was a, a, a wonderful afternoon. And we go show him the shopping center. We introduce him to all the people. We say, you, you got to buy this. And he walks around and he says, you know, I'm not really interested. And I was crestfallen because it was so strange to me. And he says, you know, it's just like a lot of work and it's a lot of risk. And I'm looking at him like, what if you had said that when you built X or Y, which are two of the most successful shopping yeah. centers in the country? And and he said, well, you know, that was a different time now. And, and he didn't really elaborate. Now I actually understand what he's doing. Of course. Because once you have something to lose, you're much less likely to, to, to risk Well, that's it. an interesting piece of advice and yeah. a thought. It's like sometimes you need younger people can be more aggressive. They have no fear. You know, just like kids learn to ski, they have no fear. They learn to surf, they have no fear. Like in business, you might take risks that you would never take once you're more uh, savvy and more experienced. And, and I totally get it. So there's some advantage to being that that sort of like blind confidence that a young entrepreneur may have. And you definitely had that. Yeah. It worked out for you, I'm sure. And it could, you know, it could work out a lot of ways. You can get your teeth kicked in a hundred times. And that's a good training ground too. And yeah. then the 101st time you hit, you hit, which is, that's the more common entrepreneur story. Sounds like you though. We've had that too. You've had that too. <laughs> uh, we just don't talk about it. So tell me, so you started your economy. That wasn't Runyon yet. It was. Oh, that um, was Runyon. So, so I left and so I- So Runyon was there. That was your first- Yeah. I, for, I, oh my I, God. I looked around and I said, Young what, what do all these people, I was 23. Oh, uh, and I said, what do all these 
guys call their companies, uh, Beachwood Canyon and, and <laughs> Mandeville Partners. And yeah. I said, you know, it was... Uh, hiking Runyon. Yeah, it was just, early in the 2000s and Runyon Canyon was like a big thing. Yeah, let's go and hiking and Runyon. Go there did it all the time. time. Yeah, so, so I said, well, I'll call it Runyon. I think it was called Runyon Partners. If And I didn't have any partners. It was just me, but I thought yeah. it sounded fancy. Good. And and I, I had an opportunity. I, I saw this part of town called Culver City, which I thought was really on the up and up. My family had a car dealership there. My grandfather, who I talked about, okay. was in business down there for for 40 years. And I'd Which seen dealership it, did he have? Mazda, it? Nissan, Subaru, in Suzuki. Culver all, City. Yeah, all Japanese. Yeah. And, and excuse me, all, all um, Asian, uh, Japanese of and Of course, Korean. Culver City is not the Culver City we know now. No, but no. Growing Culver's, up, Culver City was Culver sort of a City, no man's land, very industrial. Yeah, the New York Times There was really no well. retail. Yeah, the New York Times said that Culver City was a place to drive through on your way to somewhere else. Yeah. And it was never a bad neighborhood, but it was an no, industrial but it just neighborhood. No, no one went there. It wasn't a destination. You don't go to Culver City no, no. for dinner. You don't go but hang out in Culver City. What was starting to happen was there were art galleries starting to come in. There were restaurants starting to come in. And I saw the inklings of something yeah. that, that could come. So there was what's called an RFP, a request for proposal from the city who wanted to sell a piece of excess land next to City Hall. And I had a feeling of who might win the RFP because I knew they were an active architecture firm in the city. And so I went to them. And I actually went with a senior partner at CORE and we said, look, we'd like to partner up with you. We'll handle the, the finance and the legal and you'll handle the design and we'll be co-developers. Got it. And they took out the meeting. It was, they were very nice. And they said, um, you know, we, we're, we'll think about it. They called me two days later and they said, look, we don't like the guy that you brought, the older gentleman, but if <laughs> you're interested, <laughs> yeah, but the old guy, he's done great. But if you're interested, we'll take you on as a partner. We'll give you 10% of the capital of the company and we'll pay you a salary of $5,000 a month. And to me, that was more money than I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's so it. I was ecstatic. You were and the next day I, I told the people at CORE that I was leaving and, and I started my new company, Runyon. So I took an wow. office with these folks. I mean, that's so rare, but I don't know if you realize how rare that would be yeah, for I, someone to say, okay, here you go. Here's money. Here's partnership. In, You're 23 it, years old. It's really interesting. <laughs> I was sick, 15 years old um, and I was taking a film class and the teacher was like a 22 year old, just out of Yale teacher. Yeah. So she was like relatively close to aging me. And in my entire upbringing, you have to understand, I've, I'm like Ferris Bueller. Like I never tried in anything, always trying to figure out some way to get out of it. Never did well in school, really just enough to get by. And it was my senior year. I was taking this film class with this woman and I, I took her aside one day and I said, look, let me ask you something. I said, life's been real easy for me. Like I just have skated by and I said, I'm going to go to college. Can I ask you something? I said, what? what's it like? Like, when's it, when's life going to whack me back in the face and just be like, this is not how things are. Yeah. And she says, Reality Joey, check. she says, Joey, life's never going to do that. This is how you're going to be your whole life. Yeah. Charmed life. And she didn't God like, she, I don't think she particularly liked, like she just, and I didn't really, again, understand what she was saying until now, which is 100% true. I say things like, you know, to my business partner, he gets upset with me. I said, I don't do anything that I don't want to do. There hasn't been a day that I've ever woken up and been like, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I said, oh, come on. So I say, no, I swear on my life. So I just say <laughs> to him, hasn't been those I say to him, days, days never. I say, to, I say to him, like, negotiating leases. I say to him, like, look, I don't want to, I don't want, I just don't do what I don't want to do. So I said this to my wife, who know we've known each other since we were 14. She knows me pretty well. 
And she said, you know, Joey, I don't necessarily think that you're, you don't do things that you don't want to do. I think that you're, whatever you do, you're just sort of Make enjoying. the best of it yeah. and enjoy so, it. Again, these are all things as you get have. a little older, you're starting to realize. So anyway, I started this company um, and we went to go build this. This was 2006. And I go and raise the capital to build it. Yeah. It was four and a half million dollars, I remember. And we go to build a condominium building. Now, the city had sold oh, it yes. to our group. Now I know what you're yeah. talking about. City had sold it. On Culver. Exactly. Cool lofts. Yes, I uh, sold a couple. Yeah. So, yeah. so we we um, start the the entitlement process. The city so sold. So that's mid-2000s when you is, started. Yeah, two, so this is really interesting. What we, was there? That was a car dealership? Uh, no, it was an empty lot. No, oh, that was a, or an a empty lot, lot. Surface lot. So okay. in 2006. And that's we, at the corner of Culver. Duquesne. Duquesne. That's so we, a gorgeous we, building. Yeah, it's great. Great looking lofts. So we win the RFP. Um, and so one arm of the city says, we would like to sell you this building, this lot to mm-hmm. build this building. It was a competition. I think there were 12 respondents. And... And then, so we go and we say, terrific. So we submit the proposal to the planning commission to build that exact building. And the planning commission says, rejected, five to zero, rejection. So I'm sitting there saying, wait a second. <laughs> you sold it to us on one premise that you wanted us to do it. We, oh, it was the city had the yeah, plan the city for what to build. sold it to us, of course. We uh, won the competition based on these plans. And now they're rejecting their rejected. own plan. So, Perfect, you know, city. I think That's a, how the cities usually work, by the way. This guys. is a, a, another <laughs> example of this thing where like, if you were a seasoned developer, this would be like an outrage to you. But yeah. I looked at it, I had never experienced I said, okay, this is what happens. And I figured out a way to negotiate with them. They ended up um, reducing the purchase price by, I think, $800,000. It was a, so a, that you an can enormous go victory. create yeah. your own plan and right. start so we, the process over. So we cut over. one story off of the building and did it in a way that the planning commission. Meanwhile, I'm telling them, you know, you guys, you're the ones that sold it to us. So, so we worked that out and we go to get the financing for the building. And I say to my 90% partner, you know, we need your balance sheet to go borrow $18 million. You mean your balance sheet wasn't going to no, cut I, it? A I, had a student, I had a student checking account. Yeah, like I got $14 in my ATM. Is that, can, so, I get, can I get $4 million? So I said to, I said to them, we, we need this. And, and keep in mind, this is 2007. The, the, excuse oh, right me, the, the, excuse me, the beginning of 2008. Oh, okay. It was in so February, March of 2008. The, getting close to the Oh, the mortgage the markets were totally, everything was no Starting good. to collapse. And... This person who was my partner at the time said to me, look, we're, we're not doing so hot. I can't put up any of the money. I can't put up my Whoa. balance sheet. And I'm sitting there. I had attracted all the investors to this deal. We had had a, a loan actually to buy the property. So we had a loan expiring that so we needed is- to replace. And, and it was at that point, you know, and I, this has happened many times over my career. I, I, I said to the, the, the person, look, you have a 90% interest. I have a 10% interest. I have no money to pay you, but if you give me your 90% interest and give me 100% interest in the project, I will take it to fruition and you'll still get the architecture fees for doing it. And she agreed to it. And and it's funny because- So she walked away. She walked away. She, I gave her a, a back-end piece if something really went great. Yeah, a but hope she walked note, away and handed the whole thing over. Totally, but that was the time. That was 2008, 2009. This is, you're in escrow still? No, or we you've owned already it. bought it? We owned it. Okay, we were looking for construction it. financing. Okay. But it's it's a really interesting notion. Many times over my career, just something recently, people say, well, why did this happen? I said, look, it seems crazy, but this is what happened. Yeah. The woman gave me her 90% stake. 
these guys couldn't do this develop whatever it is yeah she and, figured it wasn't gonna ever happen and she but gave everyone to says why did that happen like that's crazy that's and i said look at that's how that's how it went what so you got financing say? you built it so yeah we brought in some partners um we we got the financing the bank got taken over by, by the fdic twice which is again, if you don't know, you who don't you know went, who you got loans from. They went yeah. under. Yeah. So, so I remember we, we finished the project. We wow, delivered in nine, ride. which you'll remember the residential market. Yeah, was it was a dead, horrible time, but dead. an incredible product. Yeah, it was a good product, and we sold it for a record price, um, and we made money on the deal. Which, which it's a huge win at that time. <laughs> that time, you have to appreciate. Basically, if you didn't lose everything, you were doing good. Yeah. And we did. We did even better than that. And that was my first project, and we. Fired the architect, who was my previous partner. Got it. Because the first day of construction, I, again, not knowing how these things work, they I don't, they had some complaint, and I just said, forget it. So I was the architect. You're the architect, great. And the manager, and the this, and the that. And, and I did everything. wore all the hats and did Everything, it. everything. And it was a great building. It was about an $18 million building. And you know the condominiums there. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I took an apartment there ourselves. Oh, really? That's uh, where you were living? It was a great place to live. We had our first kid there. And it was a new style of living in LA, which was totally um, loft living by foot almost. You know, yeah. I took my car out you twice walk a week. Everywhere. My office was downstairs, and it was a great, a great time. And that was my first project. So um, that's amazing. So from there, did you roll that into what is now platform? So platform. So and, let's get into platform. Yeah. Platform's your baby. I platform love the platform. Yeah. I love getting tacos at Loki. <laughs> I love going to Roberta's Pizza. Yeah. Jessica and I go there all the time. Yeah. Sit at the bar. I love Margo's the train. I know for anyone who hasn't been to Margo's, you have to go. It's a transformative experience to see trains coming over a bridge in LA. <laughs> like growing up in LA and seeing that, I'm like, where are we? Yeah. Are we in Chicago? Are we in New York? It's really incredible. We we had dinner there a couple months ago yeah. sitting there and I was just blown away. Yeah, I want to no. just go watch the trains. But that's anyway, no, that's that. your baby. I mean, it's a very impressive project. Yeah. It has it has your imprint with the aesthetic and the design. And when I say that you curate experiences, you can really see it. You don't need to understand real estate when you go there. You can feel it. You can touch it. You can you can you get the vibe. It's really an incredible curated, tasteful experience. So walk us through that project because that yeah. uh, must be a heck of a story. As a young guy, you did your first project. How did you get that land? How did you put that together? This is a crazy story. And I'll 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 do my best to tell it quickly because it's really got a lot of twists and turns. But the what happened was my family ran, as I said, a car dealership. Mm -hmm. That was the car dealership. That was Miller Cars. The, the Culver City Import Group. Now, Got the it. clean version of the story would have been amazing. My grandfather decides he doesn't want to be in the business. He takes his grandson under his shoulder and says, you're part of the family. Go develop this in a great way. So that's not but what happened. Unfortunately, my family doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. When I learned how to swim, they my grandfather took me into the ocean in Newport Beach and threw me into the ocean. Great. <laughs> that's the more the typical yeah. way my family works. I hope you can hold your breath. But so my family start got paddling. My, my family in 2004 got out of the car business, sold that, and had this piece of land. They sold the piece of land to a private equity firm in Brentwood. Uh, that private equity firm tried for six years to develop this piece of land mm -hmm. to get their entitlements to build an apartment house. And in 2010, um, six years after my family sold it, um, the, their lender out of Maryland decided that they'd had enough and put their debt up for sale. Like I told you, I just finished a condominium just project, finished a project in Culver City. So you had a 1031 exchange? No, or... no, no. no the, the, I, we, we sold condominiums, but the bankers in, in New York 
that were trying to sell this loan on behalf of the bank, which is something a lot of banks were doing, selling their non-performing loans, looked up developers in Culver City. Ah, and, and it you turns were out top of the list. I'm the You're big the only one there is. At that point, I was 25 years old, and they call my office and say, hi, we're so-and-so capital, we're trying to sell this loan. And it turns out you're the biggest developer in Culver City. The only one, right? We, Not, no one's yeah, developed the only anything. One. We'd, we'd you're love the to, Rick Caruso we, of Culver exactly. City. We'd love to sell you this loan. It's And it's part of a package that's going to cost $300 so million. Came to you, you didn't even know about came the opportunity. To, to me. And you're like, holy yeah. crap. This oh, is this our is family's property. Yeah. That is wild. So I was able to buy the note back for... You know, and this is 2010, so yeah. it had to be a distressed note. 35 cents there you go. on the so dollar of what my discount. grandfather had sold it for six years ago. Discount on what he'd sold it yeah. for, because it was now at the, crazy. the bottom, of the, the bottom yeah. of the market. And now I end up with this car lot, and I know that I've always had an interest in design, in, real, in uh, retail, in restaurants, and those kinds of things. But I, um, I had no idea what to really do with it. So, so I acquire it. And we actually end up foreclosing on the How owners. How much was the land at that point? I think we bought it for $5.8 million. Wow. And we bought the note. And then we actually got them to give us a bunch of cash, this private equity firm, because they had a guarantee on the note. So that was a, a, a pretty terrific experience at 25, 26 to, to learn that legal process. And we end up owning the thing. And, about, and now this is Runyon owning it. And yeah. you, you have a partner. No, just me. Just you at the time. There's no it, Runyon and partners. No, no. Just, well, it was Runyon partners, but it was but one person. there was person. no partner. And you could have called DB. It's a DB. You're the partner. <laughs> and at the time, I, so I had this notion that I was going to buy it and put all these cool retailers in it. So I just start calling cool stores that I thought yeah. were, were great, which is something I've always loved. And very shortly into that process, a woman with a store called Lost and Found in Hollywood, mm -hmm. she comes in for a meeting with me. I explain my vision. She goes back and she calls this guy that she had met. And she says, look, I just took a meeting with this guy, Joey Miller. He's got a big idea and he's got potential, but he has no ability to execute on it. Right. And she says, you should go take a meeting with him. So I had breakfast the next day with my current business partner, ah. David Fishbein. David grew up in San Francisco. He's two years younger than me or three years younger than me. Another young guy. Yeah, he's you younger than me. Like the young Turks he, here. He espoused, over. <laughs> he espoused a vision to me of what our company is today. He says, look, Joey, we both like restaurants Wait, and retail. What was, he, was he developing or retail? He was what a, was he doing? A retail broker. Young at the retail time. broker in he, San Francisco. He was up in the Napa Valley and in San Francisco trying to attract cool independent tenants up there. Okay. And he a deal went south for him. The developer didn't pay his commission. And he said, you know, forget it. And he got in his car and he drove down to Los Angeles. And within three or four months, he and I met at mm -hmm. this fateful breakfast. He described the company. He says, we both love independent retail. We both love design. We can make a company that assists cool brands and expanding across the United States by finding the new cool neighborhoods. And we can also own our own projects where we're gonna bring these people to. And I said, that's a great vision, let's go do it. Yeah. And I was a developer and he was in the tenant representation business and well, we put our companies you've, that's together. That's what done. Yeah, that's present day Runyon. So, so Platform was really the first one that we did together. And the vision for it was that LA was this city with right on the precipice with art, with fashion, with food. Yeah, everything was We just... were known as a place like this sort of vapid place, this Hollywood place, right? And right around like 2007, eight, nine, coming out of the recession, we started to become the capital for fashion. Eddie Slimane moved here, yeah. art, 
food, All culture. Everyone from around the world was talking about Los Angeles, which is obviously the case today, but we were really becoming a preeminent global city. Yeah. And we thought that the city was, it had lots of wonderful things, but you had to get in a car and go here, then get in a car and go yeah, there, go very to dinner here, go to a bar there. So we wanted to make a place where we could bring it all together. And we took these old car dealerships and we built a couple new buildings. And through the relationships that we had through the tenant representation business, we were able to, to fill it. And the tenant representation business at the time was companies like Blue Bottle Coffee, where I had three coffee shops. Yeah, rag small and, independent Rag and bone with brands. one store. So wait, you start developing with tenants in place or without? So we had no tenants in place when so we started. So you started building. So, we, so you're we starting to real, lay out lots of capital oh yeah, to develop. Yeah. Oh, enormous amounts. And we had to go convince and investors to put in. And who was the on that? Abramson Teeger Architects. Because I mean, that's the a architect. stunning Yeah, no, I appreciate aesthetic, it. warm, I always tell the, the story. I was, I was up in Tel Aviv, Israel, and I couldn't sleep. And I <laughs> woke up and I sketched out eight different ideas. There were eight stories, one called Boxcar, one called Washington Arts, one called Greenhouse. And those became the buildings at Platform because it Got wasn't it. about architecture necessarily. It was about each building telling a different story. If you look there, all the buildings don't look the same. They all look kind of different. There are materials that unify them. But the, the, the notion was that if you're going to build on a couple acres in LA, you don't want everything to look the same because then it's a shopping yeah. mall. Yeah. But if you did each building as a different style of building, that'd really get you that that lived in look and that more interesting kind of experience. So, yeah. so they all started with the story. I wrote, actually wrote two or three it's pages. It's like its own neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it's like its own little it's town, great. its own neighborhood. So each, each building has its own story basically. So, so we're building platform, raising the money and raising the debt yeah. for platform. And at the same time, we have this tenant representation business where I said, you're ASAP, looking for brands, you know, yeah. blue bottle, rag and bone. It was a, it was a wonderful and time. I mean, I know your deal and how you do this. I, we can get into it a little later, but you actually go all over the world, yeah. different cities looking for talent and brands and ideas and kind of like an A&R guys looking yeah. to discover bands, 100%. you're looking to discover brands. Yeah. And a lot of these brands, most people, and I feel like I'm in the know on brand, but I mean, most of them I never heard of. When right. you go, hey, I got this brand, what do you think? Of? I've never heard of it. And then boom, you know, a year later, it's, it's like, thing. I love this. I love Roberta. There's yeah. nothing that gives us more joy, and me personally, more joy than being able to, to, to show people cool stuff that they might not have seen yeah. otherwise. And that's really what Platform's about. It's about bringing really interesting experiences to the city that we love, which is LA, um, that they might not otherwise see. And I think, yeah, like Roberta's is like, if you live near Roberta's, that's your favorite pizza joint. Yeah. I always say like, if we that's do Brooklyn, something, right? is that yeah, they, they have one original. other place in uh, original one in New York. And like, you know, if, if what we're doing is not someone's favorite place, it shouldn't be there. Got that's it. our, that's our metric that's for success. High, so high expectation. Yeah, it so has what is to the be. first big 10 or first break where you went, okay, we got somebody, we got a tenant. Yeah. And, so and we where had, it's not just spec spec development and oh my yeah. am i gonna lose my shirt the, the first guys to come in were actually guys who we were tenant representing who knew our level of taste and and took a risk with us and it was aesop okay. it was blue bottle um wow at that time blue bottle was not the, in la we were their first la store that's incredible and they, um, think about that how many stores do they have now oh, it's, it's on crazy every, it's, like it's a billion it's a billion dollar company now but these I hope guys you got a point on the back no, yeah. <laughs> these guys saw what we were doing and and we had what's in yiddish called chutzpah which we that didn't should be the name chutzpah we, capital we didn't just <laughs> go be, not Runyon, chutzpah capital. <laughs> we went to aesop which was a wonderful um company uh they did uh soaps and apothecary and things yeah. like that and we said to them look 
we know that you're going to open as you've done in Paris, as you've done in London, four or five stores in LA. And even though this is your first, we need it to be special in four or five years. So can you offer a special amenity here that you don't have anywhere else? And they said, no problem. We have this day spa in Melbourne, Australia, and it'll be the only one in the United States. So we're the only place to offer Aesop facials in the United States. There you go. And we knew that uniqueness that's what we're always after. Lee, you need a spa day. You look stressed <laughs> out over what, there. That's what we're always after. And it was the same with Soul Cycle, their only second floor location in um, in the city, uh, and on and on. Sweet Green, it's a special place yeah. called The Lab. But it's these entrepreneurs, that the, the women who started Soul Cycle are incredible oh, entrepreneurs. God. Guys who started so sharp. Uh, Sweet Green, same thing. They're, they're the, the, the engine that, that, that keeps the thing going. And remind me the story of Margo's, my favorite restaurant. So Margo is a gentleman called uh, Rohan. He's actually from India originally. He came, he had a restaurant in Mumbai, and but he's a real world traveler. So he's in London, he's in New York, and he came to LA and opened a restaurant called Nora in West yes, Hollywood. Yes, okay, that's right. That's so, right. Um, I knew there was another restaurant I forgot. Yeah. For, yes, we yes. had that space leased to a gentleman called Michael White out of New York, um, who has um, uh, I Fiori and um, Marea on Central Park South. Yeah. And he yeah. was going to open a restaurant, but it didn't work out. So the space sat empty for about a year, year and a half. I know that. So yeah, we, we used, went to we events. It as an we event did, uh, space, yes, exactly. Yeah. The event business is a good business, too. And, and we met Rohan um, maybe a year into platform and he fell in love with the space. He had the vision for what could be done there. And we made an economic deal that, that allowed him to, to invest lots of capital because yeah. it's a beautiful build out in a tough space. Yeah. And he opened three months ago. And the response been has months. been It's really a special place. If you haven't been, everyone should go. It, yeah. it is an incredible experience. Highly Take recommend it. the time to go. It's, you could sit outside with the you know the flames, the yeah, heat, and yeah. you could sit in the corner and look at the trains going by. And the food's fantastic. Fun, incredible. Get some friends. Go definitely try it. It's not, you won't be disappointed. No, I'm I, looking forward to going back. When no, are we going I'll, back? I'll, I'll, I'll send you an invitation for <laughs> yeah, dinner. I hope so. But after Platform, lots of people around town started looking at us and saying. So that just puts you on the map on a global way because yeah, now it's like you can't hide even Look what we just did even now i don't feel that way when someone says they know platform i'm like oh my god how do you know that they're yeah. like it's like a thing like everyone knows that which to me was like an astounding thing but other developers started reaching out to us and saying hey we saw what you did there sure uh, could you help us with what Got we're it. doing because that's not really our expertise so that allowed us to work on some incredible other projects well, you've done you've helped caruso with yeah. the palisades village which is wildly successful yeah. and talk about curated experience that sort of organically and holistically fits in with the community i mean that's an incredible project yeah. so you helped there helped with some re, uh, some yeah, bringing but, in some know, tenants or? rick caruso and his company is i mean the, that's the pinnacle of the, the pinnacle the and, greatest real estate developers in the world in, my, in our opinion and, and really david and mine my hero i'm sure you look up so, yeah, so you look up he, to and, and it's really a testament to him we get a call from I him. I got to get him on the podcast. Yeah, he's we friends with Travers. I got to Travers has got to get him in there. We were, he, he calls David on his cell phone one day and says, "Hi, it's Rick Caruso. I'd he's, love to take he a meeting he's with punked, you." Right? He's like, "Oh, you know, that's like the president calling us." Right. So, better, it was better un- than the president. unbelievably yeah, better than the president. Exactly. It was unbelievably exciting. We went in to meet him, and he says, "Look, 
I've been very successful. He didn't say this, but he has been very successful in all the things that he's done, the Grove and Americana and all, all of his projects. And he said, what I'm trying to do in the Pacific Palisades is a little bit different than what I've done. And we're very interested in independent merchants and unique things. And that's something that you guys seem that's to know. That's what you guys crushed let's, it on. Yeah. Let's work together. And we were, as I understand it, the first outside group that has ever worked with them. Um, and it was like, you know, a, literally a dream come yeah. true. Bucket list stuff. And, and the starts, project's amazing. And a smart strategic move for him. I mean, he, he found... Yeah, but if you're at that level, I just am always amazed that he would think to call someone else. Like, because once you I get to that like level... I feel like Rick is like that. I mean, he's very responsive. Anytime I reach out to Brandon, he's responsive. Yeah. He's on it. He's dialed it. He's not checked out at all. He's the opposite. And that's probably why he's so successful. Uh, a we, lot we, of people at that level are checked yeah. out and you're unreachable, untouchable. He is, I in feel it. like, in the trenches and in it on every level. We've been and, lucky to meet people like him and meet people like... Rob Spire from Tishman Spire, yeah. another giant real another, estate company. Yeah. These are incredible, incredibly successful people in our business. And and we, David and I learn every single day from them. It's a, yeah. a great pleasure of the business. So you got to work on Palisades Village. You've worked on the row downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you've got some projects. I don't know if you can talk about it yeah. yet because it's secret secret, but I know you've been working on some stuff in New York and I don't, like, if you can't talk about yeah, it, I don't, yeah. you have NDAs. We're, I don't we're, need to get any we're, lawsuits we're, we're, on my first uh, month uh, after launching the podcast here. We're working tell on, us what you can tell us yeah, about yeah. some projects out of LA or some stuff you're working on now that that nobody has seen yet. Yeah, we're working on a project in San Francisco um, down in the Soma area of town, which okay. is really going to be, San Francisco's such an incredible city. Near, and is that near the stadium? Near the stadium. Yeah. And we've done a lot of uh, work in San Francisco. We did 25 deals on Fillmore Street in Pacific Heights, Hayes, Valencia, and the Mission. You've yeah. already established We love San Francisco. There. David's from there, actually. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But we, um, San Francisco's... Uh, with all the great things it has, doesn't have that one place, especially on the waterfront, that you can gather and hang out. You know, Ghirardelli Square is kind of touristy. Yeah. Um, so we're working with a really large, large project, big groups to try and bring that experience to San Francisco. And in New York, um, we're working on a iconic, one of the iconic buildings in the world, trying to reimagine what the, the ground floor experience looks like. Um, and and that's these are all so these are your retail division con, yeah, kind of consulting consulting same thing that we did with uh, Caruso got it but we don't you know we would never be able to control projects like this as yeah principles. these are the biggest global projects yeah. so it's a it's a they? great opportunity for us to that's really be involved really, in things that really otherwise cool. we would never be able to be involved with yeah, so these humongous corporate entities are going to you guys for the expertise to bring a curated experience yeah. and we, we've become that's we've become known as those people that's your and niche. we're lucky yeah that is your niche so you probably have some very cool stories about discovering a brand and going exploring and i've heard many times we're talking you you know playing tennis but by the way he's a much better <laughs> tennis player than me but i do run the ball down i got the athleticism for but this guy serves with the spin it kills me he's his home court is roxbury i'm cheviot so like he likes to play at roxbury he doesn't like he likes home court advantage because the cheviot courts just aren't good enough They're, Slumming it. he doesn't like the cracks and the you know the, the paint and all that it's too ghetto for him at cheviot so play at roxbury but I hang, I hang. We gotta get out there. It's been a while. I know you were hurt, and I was hurt. But we're um, old guys. I, what I was getting at is, I know the stores. You're like, hey, I gotta get on a plane. I'm going to Milan because I gotta find somewhere. I'm going to London. I'm going here, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And so tell me, 
if there's a story that stands out, something you can share about one of those experiences of tracking down a brand that's, you know, whether it's a brand new brand or a fledgling small startup where you said, I got to get there and tell us about how that works and yeah, how I, you talk them into it and what happens. I mean, I'll use something sort of tangible, which is the the pizza place that we were talking about, Roberta. Roberta you know, starts in the, I think, early 2000s. Um, and it's really of that Brooklyn moment with this sort of make it yourself right in the recession, excuse me, it started in 2008, I think. And, you know, it's a, in a warehouse in a very strange part of Brooklyn that no one's been to. And it becomes a phenomenon because obviously the Dumbo? food's Where incredible. It? It's in Bushwick. Okay, Bushwick. Um, and Bushwick was an industrial part of town. And these guys were just, just hit it. Like it was exactly what everyone wanted. And it wasn't just pizza, obviously, you know, Carlos is, a Michelin star chef. He opened a place called Blanca, which I think has two Michelin or wow. maybe yeah, three yeah. Michelin stars um, at tasting counter. So he's a, a very fine chef, yeah, but established, chef, but, but just the look of it, the, the food, the vibe, everything was just a hundred percent. Such great vibe. And you know, we went over there and met these guys and this was like six years ago. And, and so this is when platform was being built. Yeah. Still? We, so like early. it was a glimmer in our eye. Yeah. Early. But, but early. we, we got to know him. We spent, I remember like an unbelievably cold day in New York. <laughs> we spent two or three hours with them. Then they come out to LA and we hang with them again. And, and we established a relationship and a, and a friendship with them. And we, they always knew, Hey, our goal, we want you, we want to do something together in LA. That was always yeah. our goal. And they went through lots of twists and turns, and we showed them buildings and looked at this, and it went good and it went didn't. God, and you were showing them well. buildings not for platform, we just showed in LA. Them everything. Yeah. And, you know, they, Brandon, who's one of the owners, called me up a couple of years ago and he said, Look, we're coming out for Coachella and we're bringing our mobile oven, and we'd love <laughs> to set it up somewhere for like a month and we'll do a pop up. God. So I said, that's awesome. Yes, yes I, I, said, I remember I have a this. Dirt lot. <laughs> I remember you <laughs> Which did is a very pop-up. much yes. in their genre. And and they came and did a pop up on a dirt right, lot, and the business was unbelievable. Booming. People just poured. And it was in. that platform. We're looking yeah. at each other like, "Whoa, this is great!" Yeah. And we did another pop up, and then we kept being friends. Yeah. And then and then they were ready. They said, "Okay, they let, saw it. Let's it was like do it was a tangible. Store. It's it's working. It's, it's they saw that it was working, but also it it, it just takes time for relationships to develop where you of course. where people trust each other, and Absolutely. we were happy to put in as much as as we need to make those relationships work. But that's a great example of just going out, finding something we thought was, spe- thought was special, thinking it could work here, you know, giving it the, the, the space it needed to breathe, and then watching it be just a massive success, yeah. um, which is what it is right now. It is huge. We love it. We go all the time. That's great. It's amazing. That's great. Well, we go to platform a lot. I, I tell you that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah. live in Chevy and it's a very close it's like our downtown. And Jack Jim is right there. I mean, yeah, so we're yeah. there a lot. That's and, great. And it's, I mean, there's nothing like it. There's yeah. no better option. I appreciate uh, it. So, young guy, here you are. You're, you know, you probably feel like a grandfather now because even though you're young, you've been through a lot. I'm seeing the wrinkles around the eyes. <laughs> Teddy's wearing you out on the baseball field. But you know, you've kind of you got a long way to go. Obviously, I'm sure you're you have your sights set on even bigger things as much as you've accomplished. What would you say as advice? for up and coming developers, uh, young guys that are probably thinking the same thing. They may even be older than you. I mean, I know I still have the thoughts of, you know, what project should I take a risk on? We've talked about some of those things that I'm looking to do. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody, uh, whether they're younger or your age or older, but that hasn't done that first project or hasn't taken that big risk? What is your 
Yeah, I mean, what I've, is your insight? People thought? come and see me now, and they say, "I'd like to talk to you about an idea." And they say, they sit down and say, "Would you please sign this NDA?" And I said, "That's sure. the first thing they say." Yeah, you know, I laugh because I, I and I do whatever they want me to do, and then they say, "We're going to make a app that does this," or "We're going to we have this idea to do this thing," and I'm always laughing like. Ideas don't matter. Right. They execution, baby. So if you right, exactly. And if you have an interest in doing something, there is literally nothing to do. Put one foot in front of the other and go do it. Right? Like that's the only advice that I would give. Um, which is don't certainly don't overthink it. Don't overdo anything. Just go start doing so it. To do the opposite of what I do. Well, you think you overthink things. Oh, I analyze things? everything to death. Yeah. Uh, you know, worst case scenario to death. Every situation. Because, because you I try have... to, I try to eliminate all risk. I mean, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you gotta jump in. I was in. 23, and I was with my grandfather. And he says, why don't you propose to Amy? Amy's my wife and she was my girlfriend God at the time. God bless Amy. She's put up with you since high school? <laughs> know, since high school. They've been together since high school. <laughs> yeah. 14 yeah. before high school. So I said, look, I said, I don't really want to get married until I make $100,000 a year. Because that way I'll know that I can support her and I can support myself. And, <laughs> That's great. And That's he looked at me. He goes, that's the dumbest a- thing I've ever heard in my life. He goes, just do it. You know? I said, okay. So we got married when we were 25. <laughs> And and that you've already been together eleven years. Yeah. But that's the good advice is that you, you think what and then don't I wait. actually my grandfather gave me another great piece of advice, which was I that said is great advice. I said, don't God, wait. I said, I don't know where I, I next year I do not know how much money I'm gonna make. I do not know where the money's gonna come from. I literally have no idea. Right? So how do you plan? I said, I, I went to go buy my first house. And I said, I'm not gonna be able to afford this mortgage. He goes, Look, he goes, if you don't have confidence that you're going to be able to figure out how to make more money this year than you did last year, you shouldn't be in, in the business. Yeah. And that also stuck with me. And so I, my advice is don't talk about your idea. Don't make papers. Go do it. Just execute. And figure it out on the way. And if you don't have the confidence that when you hit a roadblock, you'll be able to get around it, it's probably the wrong business for you. Go pick another business where you feel better about it. But if you really want to be an entrepreneur, yeah. literally one foot in front of the other and figure it out as you go. Because no one knows. Nobody does. And whatever There's your no plan book. is, ain't going to work. Trust There's me. There's no book for it. There's it's no uh, manual. Work. You got to yeah. just have the persistence and the balls and chutzpah yeah. Yeah. To, to take that first step. That's yeah. I, It's simple advice, but... For all the guys that I've seen doing it and doing it on a big level, that's a very common, it's like, look, consistent I, thing that they say. Like I you got to just do it and execute, hundred percent, and not be so scared and not think about all the issues that will come up, and have the confidence to know that you are going to deal with huge obstacles, but you're going to figure your way under them, around them, through them, over them, whatever. That seems to be a common thread when I'm. My friends will laugh at me. I, I equate everything. I do weightlifting. And weightlifting, you do powerlifting, yeah, man. Power, you think it, it, it's about you, you're going to go into the combines? Yeah, What's exactly. going on? I, I talk to you sometimes, and you're like, "Yeah, I do deadlifts and clean." Like, but, like, bro, I, that's I, about, I haven't done that since college. To do snatches, which is to put hundreds oh, of pounds God. over your head, is to convince your nervous system. Your body can do it. A grandma can lift oh, really? a two-ton uh, car. Uh, I can't. No, really. Yeah. But she'll end up in the hospital the next day because right. she's ripped all her muscles up. Yeah. But I'm not doing clean jerks body, like that. No, no thanks. your body can do anything. It's getting over your nervous system, and it's the same in business. You can actually do anything, but you got to get over that part of your brain that's telling you that you can't do it. So that's why I, I enjoy weightlifting to be able to suspend disbelief and push beyond what your body's trying to stop sure, you from doing. I get that. I get so, that. With sports in general, in I get that. Yeah. It's it's the mental toughness, mind over matter, pushing your limits. And those, that's, those, those things are there. The, that part of your brain, that part of your business is available to you. It's just an issue of deciding to access it or not. 
Yeah. And it's fear, ultimately, I think, well, that'll let, keep you away from Let's have this conversation that. in 10 years yeah. when you're in your 40s. <laughs> with weightlifting with dead, or with business? Dead, deadlift. <laughs> deadlifting. And then we'll take you, we'll see your 40 time at that point. <laughs> exactly. We'll see how many times you can put like up jumps. two. How many times, yeah, how your vertical, <laughs> how many times you can put up 225. And we'll play some tennis. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm so pumped that you came. I know we could talk forever. Yeah, you know, it's one a pleasure. thing about you, know, every time I'm with you, we hang out, we speak the same language. Yeah. But we laugh so much. Yeah. My face hurts. And, you know, it's hurting now. But like every time those, we, those wrinkles, yeah, well, that's <laughs> what you get. Face. I, I really appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the deal with Danny Brown. Please tune in. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on YouTube. We're on Google Play. You can always catch my Instagram at Danny Brown LA. And where can we find Joey Miller Runyon at the platform? Oh, I'm not on Instagram, but platform oh, underscore yes. he's LA. Just like the only guy I know <laughs> that isn't on social no media. Facebook, no Instagram. You and but... my brother-in-law, Andrew Singer. Yeah, that's our follow. Aunt- Follow at platform underscore LA. There you go. At platform underscore LA. There you go. Go to the platform. You will not be disappointed. Low key tacos, Roberta's, Margo, and a million other places. Great ice cream. Yeah. Great fashion spots. I mean, the place is amazing. So Joey Miller, good to rock with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you on the tennis court soon. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Joey. I really appreciate Joey Miller stopping by and spending some time with us. You can always find Joey. uh, Well, you can't really find him, but you can find him on Instagram at platform underscore L.A. Uh, You can always find us at Danny Brown L.A. on Instagram. Uh, Please check us out on YouTube, iTunes and wherever you Get your uh, your podcast. If you can write a review, that'd be awesome. It'd mean the world to us. Uh, we're getting a lot of good followers and a lot of good traction. We want to continue to bring you some good content and uh, get some interesting guests going. So again, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you next time. Yeah.